Welcome to Life Source Church. We are so glad you found us. We hope that you will experience God with us as you hear the preaching of the Word. All right, how many people are freezing? <laughs> the days are getting longer. I was outside last night, kind of late, and it was like, oh, sort of lighter than normal at that time would be. So I'm a little encouraged that heat is somewhere in our future. <laughs> One, one way or another it is, right? Um, I don't know about you, but sometimes I can just sing the words on the screen and kind of move through the song. I hope this morning, um, I, again, I, I shouldn't be surprised because God is so incredible, but he put the perfect music set before this morning's message um, because a piece of what I, I want to talk about today is how we view God, how you see him, how you interact and interpret God in your life. And um, Almighty, I mean, what a powerful song of who God is. And we, we have to think, you know, if you're a believer here today, you're trusting God, you're trusting what he said, you're trusting the truth of the gospel for an eternity in heaven. And so this is the God that we're looking to. This is the God that we're trusting in. But there's so much more to the relationship than just gaining salvation. And I don't know about you, but I don't know, the holiday season this year was a little weird. I don't know if it was for you, but it was for me. Um, it kind of was this hodgepodge of um, just a lot that kind of happened. And... Um, I said it Wednesday night, but there's you know, people here that weren't here this morning that weren't here Wednesday night, but I genuinely missed you guys. Um, you know, we didn't meet on a Wednesday, and like candlelight service was our Wednesday night service, and then we were away the 21st for a family Christmas kind of thing, and I genuinely missed you. Um, God has just endeared you as a people to me. And um, so it's kind of weird being away. But I'm back. So anyway. <laughs> yeah, let's not go down sentimental road this morning. <laughs> All right. So with that, I, I will start, start our morning off with a little humor. I came across a joke that I thought, oh, okay, you know, this one people actually might laugh at, so I'll share it. <laughs> I know it's like I've tried to slide them in there secretly, and you think it's a real story, and then you're confused. And so it's like, this is a joke. I'm telling you. I thought it was funny. You may. I don't know. But anyway, this guy, kind of a cold night, walks into a restaurant, goes up to the waiter and says, you know, if I show you something really incredible, will you give me a free meal? The waiter thinks a minute and says, sure, show me something incredible. So the guy sits down on a table, pulls out a tiny piano out of one pocket, pulls out a small rat out of the other pocket. The rat cracks his little fingers, sits down at the piano and starts playing the blues just incredibly. Waiter's impressed, all right, so delivers this guy a meal. So he comes back later on, and uh, he says, well, hey, I impressed you once, right? Now, if I show you something that's even more incredible than that, will you give me a free dessert? The waiter's like, I don't think you can top this. So, okay, go for it. So out of another pocket, he pulls out this bullfrog who starts singing to the blues that the rat is playing on the piano. 
He's like, oh man, all right, I've got to give you dessert now. So he goes and gets him the dessert. Now there's somebody at another table watching all this and he's like, I gotta have that frog. That frog's incredible. I mean, a singing frog? So he goes over to the guy and he's like, you know, I'll give you a thousand dollars for that frog. The guy's like, that frog's not for sale, sorry. You know, just keep your money. Guy comes back, you know, I'll give you $3,000 for the frog. He's like, I told you, he's not for sale. The guy's like, what am I going to do? He comes back to the table, $5,000 cash, and he's like, I've got $5,000 right now, right here. I'll give it to you for that frog. So the guy sells it to him. The waiter's like, are you crazy? That frog could be worth millions and millions of dollars. Why would you just sell it to him for $5,000? He's like, the one thing I know that the guy doesn't know is the rat is a ventriloquist. <laughs> we walk by sight so often, don't we? What we see... And God does things and is doing things in ways that we don't often see. Because we're walking by sight and not by faith. And we have got to learn, as soon as we can, how to begin to walk by faith when we come to Christ. Because then we will start to encounter God in a completely different way. Uh, the Christian life shouldn't really be a bunch of stuff that we have to do. I mean, when we understand who God is and how he works, it should join our heart to him in a way that we just get caught up with the journey of our spiritual life and of what God is doing here. And the things that come into our life then become completely different. Instead of tragic and overwhelming and over anxiety, we look for God. Um, this morning, you know, as, as we were singing, I was looking for God in the lyrics. I was looking for God in his heart. I was looking for how he wants to interact with us. And I hope you're doing that. I hope you're doing that. We're going to take kind of a quick journey this morning in the book of Galatians, um, page 1336 in the Pew Bible, if you, you don't have your own. Um, but that's where we're going to be. And we're going to kind of race through chapter 1 with just some kind of basic information. Part way through, well, actually almost all the way through chapter 2. And then we're going to land at 20 and 21. Because that's kind of what, what the Lord has given me this morning for you. And for me. Although he worked on me all week. <clears throat> now, Paul writes this book. And, and we esteem Paul greatly. We hold him up high as just, he is just one of these guys who, wow, look at all he did for God. And I think it really was a little different. I think he surrendered when God revealed himself to him. Um, he recounts a little bit of his stuff. Uh, Paul's background reveals one thing, that sincerity is not the litmus test. For right living. Um, if sincerity was the litmus test, Paul would have been held up high instead of confronted by God, wouldn't he? Because Paul was sincere. He was going after Christians. He was shutting churches down. He was going after it hot and heavy. And he talks about that in chapter 1, of who he was and how he lived. And he was a Jew of the Jews. And Paul was sincere 
But the message he was carrying out was completely off. We, we can be in the same place, and we have to realize that. See, when we get caught up in letter stuff, you know, this is what these words say. This is what this, and we eliminate context. We eliminate the heart of God. We eliminate the Holy Spirit. We can go down a very wrong road. We can become our own cult. We can become our own whatever. See, we have got to be yielded to the Spirit. We have got to be walking in the light of the Word. And where Paul was by the letter, he was not by the Spirit. And then God confronted him and changed him completely. And I guess I have to ask you this morning, and you've got to kind of look deep inside yourself. Have you been changed completely? Are you still the same you with just sort of the Jesus fish slapped on yourself somewhere? Now, I call that bumper sticker Christianity. I'm the same person I was, but now I kind of added God to my life. That's not how it's supposed to be. I mean, if you look at Paul's life, he was dramatically changed. He lived a completely different life. You know, yes, he had the same passions, he had the same heart for God, but how he lived and what that looked like, completely different. Completely different. Paul's example to Peter is in here as well. Peter, who was supposed to be, you know, bringing the gospel to the Jews, and, you know, at one point he was kind of the person who, you know, he was eating with the Gentiles and he was living with them, and he was all about the gospel, and then all of a sudden some, you know, religious leaders came in who were a little bit more on the legalistic side, and Peter sort of separated himself away. And then what happened, other Jews separated themselves away from the Gentiles. And even Barnabas, who you would think, man, Barnabas, I mean, he should have been spiritually mature enough, separated himself away because of, oh, what might it look like? And oh, what might happen? Always worried about appearances. And Paul confronted him. And Galatians talks about that as well. What was going on? I mean, it wasn't being about God. It was about the circumstances. It was about the issues. It was about what it looked like. And we cannot allow that to dictate how we live the Christian life. I mean, that's where, I mean, I know somebody who, you know, would never go to a liquor store to redeem old cans and bottles because of what it might look like. Thinking if your testimony is pure, they probably figure, he must be redeeming cans and bottles because he doesn't, you know, he wouldn't go in there for any other reason. But there are people who are worried about what other people think more than God. See, he, he has got to be the audience of one that we will change our entire life for no matter what people think. I mean, that was a problem for Paul for a little while because Paul had this testimony that he was beating Christians and he was tearing down churches and he was in there. And all of a sudden he kind of came to God and started moving into these same circles again. And I'm sure people were like, is this just another ploy? Is this just another way for him to find out who the Christians really are? But immediately people realized his message had changed. What he was doing had changed. And the testimony of Paul was immediate. People could feel it, see it, experience it. 
And when God comes into our life and we enable him, and it's not that God can't do this, but he will not force us. He will not force us to walk in obedience to him. He will not dictate our walk with him. He wants us to understand who he is and all he's done. And then out of a heart of thanksgiving and understanding, bow before him. Honor him. Glorify him. Raise him up high. Speak of all he's done in our lives. He doesn't want us to... to be forced to do that. He wants us to understand. And it, this morning, you know, coming into this, we have got to have a right picture of who God is. And I, I think we struggle with that. I honestly do. I think, you know, it's easy to think, you know, oh, something goes wrong, God's punishing me. And sometimes just stuff happens. But there's also a reap and sow method thing there too. And I don't want to go down that road because that's not part of what I'm trying to say. But there is that element too that, you know, there are certain things that we're going to do that are just going to have natural responses to them. And it happens. But we blame God for those things. But the irony is, and it's, I see this in the world so often, you know, they, they, when something bad happens, you know, they're pointing the finger at God. But when something good happens, they're not saying, oh, look at the wonderful thing that God did. Oh, no, that was us. We did that. Not true. As we look at the examples in chapter 1, and we're not going to read through them, but the examples there provide an awareness of what the truth of the gospel should be. It should change our heart. It should impact our mind. It should work in us in such a way where we are about our Father's business. I mean, it's too easy to get caught up in the day-to-day stuff. It is too easy to just let the circumstances that unfold in our life dictate how we live and what we do and where our focus goes. I don't know how many people, you know, they call it the, the tyranny of the urgent. That dictates my life. I hear people talking about that all the time. I've got to do this, and I've got to do this, and I've got to, got to, got to, got to, got to. Do you really? Do we really got to? Do we really have to? Or can we just say No. I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm not going to live that way anymore. I'm not going to allow that to happen to me anymore. And we waver because we're afraid of what someone might think if I take a stand on this. Or what will the repercussions be if I hold the line on this? And that's fear of men. We have got to fear God more. And I believe Paul had a healthy fear, and again, fear, reverence, esteem, honor, God. We move through it. Paul makes the transition from the general to the specific with respect to what causes transgression or sin in our life. We rebuild it. See, the thing that we struggle with as human beings is we always gravitate to the comfortable, the familiar. 
And so what happens is living by faith is exciting. Living by faith is kind of, you know, sort of like on the edge. I won't fall, Ed, I promise. But it, it, it's exciting that way. And, and not in like a, an adrenaline rush, although some people can kind of feel that way. But it's exciting because we start to see God differently. We start to understand him uh, at, at a depth and a, a heart level that changes the decisions we make, that changes how we interact with people, that changes so much of who we are. And that's an exciting place to be. But what happens is, is we get nervous because living by faith is not living by sight. Now, can you imagine not living by sight? It's funny, I, I, I watch a lot of do-it-yourself stuff. And um, I don't know, I was bored, I guess, and I was watching House Hunters. And this couple was looking for a place where they you know, could enjoy whatever. And they had a blind dog, and they wanted to make sure he enjoyed the, the space. And I'm thinking, how is he going to enjoy the space? But anyway, blind dog enjoying the space. And, you know, they ended up buying an open loft because there were no doors and he wouldn't bump into stuff and it was a wonderful thing and there was a park. But we live by sight. And we gravitate towards the familiar. And we have to stop living that way if we're a believer. It, it robs us of God's blessing in our life. It robs us of an exciting, vibrant Christian life. It robs us. Because when we gravitate to the familiar, when we gravitate to the things that we're comfortable with, that's from the old life oftentimes. It's usually not the stuff that is wonderful because guess what? There is a war, a spiritual war, and there is an enemy who is trying to defeat us. And if he can keep us living the way we were before we were saved, which was living by sight, living defeated, living in such a way that we were in bondage, has the Christian life really changed your life then? No. The Christian life should be transformational. The Christian life should be something that is completely different from this world. Our lives should look completely different from the world's. It shouldn't just be a cleaned-up version of it, a shined-up version of it. It should be completely different because we can live by faith. We can walk out and trust God in ways that the world can never do. And when we start to do that, guess what? That's when, you know, my lighthouse, the light is shown in the darkness because people go, why would you do that? Why would that happen to you? Why would you react that way to that situation? And we have a witness and a testimony then. We can reach out. We have to realize that Christ put to death sin. See, we think it's alive because it's like we struggle and we have this tension in us all the time where it's like, oh, we know who we are. We've got this, like, these thoughts and these feelings and we go, oh, sin is so alive. And that's the lie that Satan wants us to believe. See, we have got to live by faith that what Christ did was complete. What Christ did was holistic in the sense of it wasn't just for some sin. He covered all sin. Past, present, future, sin has been resolved. And we have to live that way. 
We have to act like that's really true. And sometimes we, we live with this struggle, this tension constantly that it's like, oh, why is it so hard? And why can't I overcome? And it's like, it's because we don't throw our hands up and go, I surrender. It, it's we try to battle. And, and God is right there. He's provided the Holy Spirit who's, who wants to help us, right? He's the comforter that God's given to us, that wants to comfort us, that wants to provide for us. And it's just, it's listening to him and walking in obedience to him. But what happens to us, you know, it's funny, I was reminded... You know, New Year's comes, and what do we do? We make all these lists. You know, oh, I'm going to do this, and change this, and change this, and I'm going to do this, and this, and this, and this, and we have all these lists and these things, and it's like, we're going to just make life different this year, and I'm going to really try hard, and we go out, and we're sincere, and we're honest, and we're defeated. Because the works of the flesh cannot accomplish spiritual things. But when we yield to Christ, when we yield to the Holy Spirit in our life, so much more can be accomplished. So much more can happen for us. And we have to also realize that whether we are building up biblical truth or other things in our life, we're building law where God has said, live by faith. Live by my word. Live by what I have for you. Law is law, whether we make it or we live by what God's law is in the sense of we're using it to be holy, we're using it to be righteous, we're using it for certain things. A couple of verses for you. Isaiah 53, 5. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes, we are healed. Christ did that for us. Christ did that for all. With a heart for reconciliation. With a heart for changed lives. With a heart to see something happen. Think about it. What if you did all that? And then the people you did all that for lived half-heartedly, only believed portions of what you said. Now, God doesn't get discouraged like that. He knows that we're weak, and he knows that he's long-suffering, which, thank God, he is long-suffering. But he has done so much for us. Hebrews, oh, you know what? I just flipped my page and I'm in the wrong place. Sorry about that. With that, if you go to 220, all right, probably on page 1339, I'm going to read that real quick. 220 and 21. It says, I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. In the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died in vain. Three things I want to look at, then we'll be done. I'll probably get through them a little quick. But die to self, live by faith, remember his sacrifice. That's what we're going to touch on. Die to self, live by faith, Remember his sacrifice.
And that's not natural. Dying to self is counterintuitive. It's not, it's like we're always, you know, our world today, right? We're trying to extend life. We're trying to live longer. We're trying to do things that are going to incorporate a certain lifestyle and quality of life and all of that. And dying to self is not something that we are in tune with. But we've got to figure out how to do it. You know, the whole pick up your cross, I mean, crucifying the flesh daily. Daily. Otherwise, it's going to control our life. It's going to be the dictator for us. It's going to rule. Self will rule. Where God should be the person there. Colossians 3.3, For you are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. Ephesians 4.24, Put on the new man which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Now, that's part of our problem, I think. If you were to really, really be honest with yourself, no hands, just think about this, would you say, oh, I am holy, I am righteous, I am pure? We don't think of ourselves that way, do we? And that's the lie, because in Christ we are. That is who we are. Because the life of Christ is now our life. That's the life that we are living within us as believers. If you're trusting Christ as Savior today, that's the life we live. It has come into us and transformed us and changed us. And that's why sometimes there's that tension that's there because Christ is trying to come in and live in such a way and the old us, we're trying to resurrect. We're trying to revive And we need to be putting it to death. Now we try to keep it alive because it's familiar. It's comfortable. But God says, no, I have something so much more for you. So much better for you. But will you trust him? See, it comes down to trust. The truth of the gospel. Do you trust it? Do you cling to it? Are you hanging everything you are on it? Or are you trusting other things? Are you trusting church attendance? Are you trusting how much time you spend in the Bible? Are you trusting how many verses you memorized? Are you trusting how much money you've given to people on the streets? Are you trusting other things that, oh, this is going to be and make me seen in a certain light? It's not going to help. Everything has to hang on the truth of the gospel. Everything. And when we're there, God can mold us and use us in such a way that we are amazed. Do you think Paul, on the front end of his life, thought, this is how it's going to play out? This is how it's going to work? No. When God came into his life and he surrendered completely, it changed him, and his life was in a completely different direction, doing completely different things. And his life was unbelievable, right? I think we, we would all agree his life was pretty amazing. But I think we think that's just for Paul. We could all be today's Paul if we're surrendered to the Lord. I believe, and maybe that's idealistic, but I think if we are surrendered, if we are yielded to the Lord, if we will give up everything and say, Lord, I'll do it any, anything, I'll do it all, I think he'll use us. The eyes of the Lord are always looking for people that, who are surrendered to him, who are yielded to him, who will be used by him. He's looking. And I, all of us have that potential Don't let anybody else tell you that you don't have that kind of potential. You do. 
The enemy just wants to keep us down. That Oh, you're to this or you're to that or no one this or no one that. With Christ, all things are possible. All things are possible. And we have got to stop living by the words and the input of the world. And we have got to start trusting the truth of the gospel and what it says and what it's done and what it can do and what it will do when we're yielded to it. And it transforms lives. Completely. But we've got to be a partnership with God. We can't fight him. We can't be at war with our Savior. And so many times we are. We're afraid to step out. We're afraid to say anything. We're afraid to whatever. Fear is the exact opposite of faith. And unfortunately, sometimes we live that place all too often. Living by faith. Sight can fool us. Sort of like the frog joke. We can be fooled. But faith will never fool us. We trust. We cling. We hold to Luke 6.46, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do the things which I say? I mean, the, the, the thing that I always struggle with as I interact with certain people, when we yield to the Lord, he will lead us down the path we need to go. And, and oftentimes when there are certain people I interact with where I'm like, you know, where, where are you at with this? Where are you at with that? And they're far away from godliness. I'm like, why aren't you following the Lord? You, you, know, you came to Christ, you say you want to be a believer, but you're not living like one. And sometimes we think, you know, I've, I've come to salvation, and that's sort of all Christianity is about is, you know, I'm saved. We think that's the end. We think that's the final destination. That, oh, I've been saved. And it, it, I understand, saved sounds final. It sounds like something, oh, that's the conclusion, that's the end, but it's not. See, because in Christ, things aren't always what they seem. When you are saved, that's the beginning. That's where it all starts. That's where God finally has the, the place to where he can move into your life and work in your life and change who you are. But sometimes you think, oh, I'm saved, and okay, that's, that's, that's all there is to it. I'm saved. We have to realize that's the starting point, And you grow from there. And God changes you from there. Familiar verse, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourself. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. We are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Faith is the plan God has for us. And we struggle because we want to see it. We want the fleece like Gideon. You know, we want to put stuff out. Oh, God, if you really mean this, this will happen. That will happen. Why can't we trust God? Face value. That he is for us and not against us. That he has our best interest at heart. And that he wants us to be prosperous. That's what he's promised his people since Abraham. You follow me and I will prosper you. And prosperity doesn't always look dollar signs. Sometimes it's peace, joy, patience. You know, we know the list, right? Fruit of the Spirit. And that stuff is invaluable. You can't put a price tag on that stuff. Dollar signs cannot be connected to that. But if you have it, it's a wonderful thing. It's a glorious thing. Because in this world, we need those things. 
Remember his sacrifice. Last part of that verse, he loved me. He gave himself for me. And if righteousness comes through anything else, then his death was in vain. Is that what you believe today? But our actions can prove that sometimes, that his death was in vain. Hebrews 9.14, How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? We have got the power in our hands to live a vibrant, exciting, dramatic Christian life. Don't settle for the the ho-hum. Don't settle for the dreary and the drab. There is so much more available. It's in here. And this is what's going to change our mind. This is what's going to change our thinking. This is what's going to change our heart. And when we spend more time, again, I say in here and with this, God's word became flesh, became the word. We're spending time with him. We've got to spend time with our friend, our Savior, to understand his heart, to understand what he has for us, to understand how we are robbed, how we are fooled oftentimes. This world is clever. Our enemy is clever. And he knows how to disguise things. He knows how to put things in such a way where it looks like it's a wonderful thing. It looks like it's a happy thing. It looks like it's a spiritual thing. And it's not. But when we spend more time with the truth, the counterfeit will be revealed. We will see it. We will understand it right off and know what has to happen. Old him. Two more minutes, we'll be done. Trust and obey. It's a simple hymn, but I think it, it holds some deep truth. When I walk with the Lord in the light of his word, what a glory he sheds on our way. While we do his good will, he abides with us still and with all who will trust and obey. Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. But we never can prove the delights of his love until all on the altar we lay, a living sacrifice. For the favor he shows, for the joy he bestows, are for them who will trust and obey. Then in fellowship sweet, we will sit at his feet, or we'll walk by his side in the way. What he says, we will do. Where he sends, we will go. Never fear, only trust and obey. God has so much for us. There's so much available. And I think we allow life to take more of a focus and we miss what God has. Die first, live second. And that's a counterintuitive thought. I understand that. You know, we're supposed to live and then you die, right? Not as a believer. My ways are not your ways. My thoughts are not your thoughts. You need to die first and then live. Because when that happens, when we die to self and live for Christ, it's a completely different journey. It's a completely different mindset. Die to self, live by faith, remember his sacrifice. 
And I can't, I really want to emphasize that piece. Because when we remember his sacrifice daily, it's going to be easier to die to self. It's going to be easier to live by faith. A couple more lyrics. He became sin, who knew no sin, that we might become his righteousness. He humbled himself and carried the cross for all mankind. Let's pray. Father, we come to you this morning so thankful. You are a good father. You are a holy father, a righteous father, a just father. And Lord, we can trust you. And I pray this morning, Lord, work in our hearts, work in our mind. Reveal those things that, that prevent us from living completely surrendered to you. Those things that we have not put to death in our life that just need to go, that are haunting us. Lord, salvation should not allow us to, to harbor any shame in our life. It has resolved that problem. You've paid for it all. Lord, may we walk out of here today living by faith, not by sight. Lord, it is so easy. It's so easy to walk by sight. But Father, you called us to live by faith. And Lord, show us, enable us to live that way. Father, we thank you. We praise you for who you are, for how you work. And Lord, we trust you this week to move in us, to change our hearts and to change our minds. Lord, may our lives bring honor to you. May they glorify you. And Lord, may we be catalysts to changing this community for Christ. And it's in your son's name we pray. Amen.